following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. At Farmers Insurance, we know the sound of a perfect hot air balloon landing. And a less than perfect one. Seen it, covered it. Click for more. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. The following program is a Forbes and Podcast One production. Hi, I'm Denise Ristari, and this is Mentoring Moments, a podcast where smart, witty, and bold women are sharing their triumphs and their skids. We aren't just talking, we're taking action, and we're inviting you to join us every Wednesday in my New York City apartment, where we are brought to you by LifeLock. You've probably heard Equifax recently announced a breach of 143 million identities, and you need to take steps to get protection. Be among the millions who trust their identity theft protection to LifeLock. Go to LifeLock.com, use promo code Forbes for 10% off. And today, my mentoring moment is going to be a little different because the whole podcast is going to be my mentoring moment in many ways. Because women, you know, I talk a lot about the women in my life who bring me joy, the women who change, help me change myself. Um, not change myself, but find myself, the better version of me, help me discover what I need to be doing. And one of those women is sitting across from me today, Yamina Zaik. And so I, I just said to Yamina, first, I want to welcome you. So I'm so happy Hi, you're Denise. here. Yamina and I met through Ivy Wolf Turk, who met some of you may have heard on a previous podcast. So I love how our worlds intersect and people keep connecting us to each other the way it should be that women connect other women. And a lot of our listeners will say to me, you know, tell me more about the women that you work with, the women who are helping you find the better, you know, your better self, helping you be healthier. And so I really today want us to talk about a lot of things, but one of them is how you do help me and how you help other women and to really get vulnerable. And as I said to Yamina earlier, you can say anything you want to say about our sessions that we've had together, that there are no secrets about the things you have discovered about me. So I'm not going to kick it off with my story mentoring moment because we're going to get into that. So I'm going to ask you, Yamina, to kick off with your mentoring moment. I always thought that I was fairly invincible and I had never really gotten injured helping other people. And when I was younger, I would see 60 people a week, that's 60 hours of treatments. And about eight years ago, I was seeing seven professional male athletes, American athletes, two days in a row. And I was working with one. And I was working with my hands-on modality into very thick neck, thick trapezius muscles, and all of a sudden my collarbone left its place where it attaches to the sternum and went up in my throat. But I didn't think it was anything. So I held it down and continued working. And then that night I had looked like a golf ball size in my throat, pulsing. Like that. And I thought, hmm, maybe I pressed into my carotid artery. But I didn't really get that I did anything. And then I realized that I had three bones just moving around my collarbone to my humerus to my sh- shoulder blade. Nothing was firmly 
attached. And I had to go lead a retreat five days later, working with people, helping them with their bodies very intensely. And all I could think of was that my life was over. Everything that I had been able to do before, I wasn't going to be able to do. And I had to ask myself, what does this mean? What's the message? What's the bigger reason behind this? And I managed to get through my retreat with the help of two of my practitioners. And then took a plane, went somewhere where I was renting a house by the sea and had to get into a car with a stick shift and couldn't. So I got to where I was renting and laid in bed and realized really my whole life of what I knew before was over. But I never got negative. I just said, what am I learning from this? What's the bigger picture? And so I laid in that bed with my products and went, okay, well, I can't certainly can't put a ball where my bone is that's moving. So what about the other end? And the next thing I knew, I stabilized the side that had more impact, which caused the other side to reattach. And I realized that I was creating a whole new body of work, that one could actually heal in bed, because without pushing, the body actually can and does and will know how to heal itself. So I developed an entirely new body of work from that accident, but I also started writing and I started more social media and I started more lecturing to reach more women. My mentoring moment. And and I love that because so many thoughts are going through my head. Okay, let's start with your denial at first. Okay, so you are, you're somebody who knows the body inside out and backwards, right? You're all about sustaining our health. And you work with women, you work with people, not just women, but around the world in problem solving our bodies. So here you are, the expert at it, but yet you're thinking, oh, my caller, something's wrong here, but I'm not going to address it. What, what happens there? What happened in your head that you wouldn't go there? I couldn't believe that I got injured because I always believed if you're doing something good for people, you won't, you, you won't get hurt. You'll, you're taken care of. So I was definitely in denial, but you can't deny that when you can't use a shoulder or arm, you can't deny that, that you don't have a hand that can pick up something. Um, so it took a pretty, it was pretty short before I realized I'm, I'm in trouble, but I didn't know how to fix it yet. And so let's go through the fix it. Okay. Because I want people to be able to translate this as you do too, to what they're doing in their lives. Right. So here I am and I'm sick. Okay. I mean, I'm physically, maybe I'm not, I'm not just speaking about myself right now, but I'm not eating healthy. I'm not doing all of these things. And my body is reacting to the poisons that I'm putting in my body. But I don't want to admit that, right? Because I just want to enjoy what I'm doing. So now something happens. I'm hospitalized. And I get depressed normally, right? 
of course. How could this have happened to me? Mm. How could, you know, I, I didn't eat that many French fries, right? <laughs> I only had, I only had a few, <laughs> you know, how did this happen? And what am I going to do? My life is over. So you, so let's talk through that. So when you work with people that go through that, how do they find their fix? Like you found your fix. I always explain to people that everything happens for a reason. So you have to go to the higher reason. It's very easy to, to fall back into the negative. Oh my God, I should have listened. How come I, and go into that down state, but there's always a positive message, a learning experience. So if you get into the learning experience, what do you have to learn and how will it improve the quality of your life and maybe take you to an entirely new thing you're supposed to be doing? Um, that's really a, a much more proactive way of looking at your life. But how do you do that if you get depressed? So, you know, if I fall into that state of how did this happen? My husband left me, my partner left me, whatever it is in our lives that go wrong. Well, what I find is first you have to feel the depression because it's real. And I find that when people just act like it's all super wonderful, they also miss something. You have to be able to, to feel and own and honor your feelings. If your husband just left you and you're devastated, you're devastated. You have to feel it. But once you feel that, what's the lesson? So you have to ask yourself, what's the positive lesson that I can learn from this? And make that the morning mantra, okay? And, and maybe it means going to certain other people for guidance, for help along the way. But... Don't get stuck in, in the depression for too long because then everything in your whole being starts to drop. Body energy starts lowering, brain function starts lowering, circulation, posture, and then it's really hard to get out of it when all the parts of you are moving into depression. So very important. And to choose to be around the people that help you stay positive. So we were talking earlier about people when they're depressed and how their bodies show, how it shows up in our bodies when we're depressed. So I think it's helpful for people to understand, to look at themselves. What happens to our bodies when we get depressed? Part of something that's classic in the body when someone is depressed for too long is the body starts aching. So then it's a setup in the body. You see, now I can't even do anything positive with my body because it's also in pain. So it becomes a cycle of my body hurts, so I can't use it, so I gain weight, so posture starts dropping, head starts drooping forward, chest starts dropping, hard to breathe, and that hooks right in with cut off of circulation to the brain and the whole being body, mind, spirit starts to go down and stay down. So that's why the, the, the body, it's very important to look for ways to, um, get the, ignite the body again. For example, if somebody was extremely physical athletic when they were younger and felt the power in their body and they're not in that now, the first thing you do is try to get that back so they can remember that feeling when they felt 
their circulation, their body pumping, their camaraderie in their sport with their teammates um, to get back into that because classically in depression you isolate. And what are some of the, I don't know if it's common, maybe it, maybe it is, but some of the things you see going on with young women um, that are impact, what's impacting their bodies or what do you see? I see a lot of young, I see a lot of young women are just so stressed. And so, but you deal with women on a totally different level than I do. I, we mentor, we talk, I don't have the abilities and the talent that you have to see deeper into what are some of the things that you can tell our listeners that you see in young women that can help them? The first thing I notice is that they're in pain younger. You very often hear women in their late 50s, 60s, 70s going, what's she hurting about? She's young. And because people weren't as, didn't have as much pain, perhaps maybe tension, stress in their bodies. But these young women have so much pressures. So they've got to be super skinny. So if they're not, they're also stressed. So then they go into negative feelings about their body. Some of them are working way too hard over computers. That creates tension in the head, the neck. They stop breathing because their eyes are fixed forward in the, compu- in the computer. Others are pushing at the gym after a whole day of stress like that because they've got to burn their calories and keep their cardio going, creating more stress and tension. And so that's the good thing is that more and more people are going for a yoga practice, a more mindful practice. It's good that that's around today, but there just seems to be so much more to worry about, to stress about in younger women. And is there a balance in the yoga versus the aerobics? The in, it's, it, in your just in your practice or your experience, is there a balance that you see, or is there something you prefer or you think is healthier than the other? Well, one of the things that people have to understand, and of course you don't understand this stuff when you're young, whatever you do when you're young will show up in your 60s. So if you're a runner in your 20s and 30s, and you feel fabulous because in those decades, the body can really do that. But that amount of impact repetitively in your body will start to show up when you're in your late 50s, 60s, and suddenly you'll be going, why do my knees hurt? Why do my hips hurt? I'm doing yoga now. So that's one of my big messages is that whatever you do, you have to begin young to get the impact out, to get the repetitive stress out of your joints, out of your body. And that's something really radically missing. And it's necessary. Before we continue with Yamana, let me tell you about LifeLock. The Equifax breach that impacted roughly 143 million consumers just got bigger. They've now added 2.5 million people to that list. And if that's not bad enough, Yahoo announced that their 2013 breach impacted all 3 billion user accounts, triple the original estimate. You should know once your personal information has been exposed, it doesn't just go away. Identity thieves can buy your info on the dark web for months, even years after a breach. They can use it to commit crimes in your name, even steal from your 401k. 
Now is the time to get protection. Sign up for LifeLock today. They use proprietary technology to detect a wide range of identity threats and will alert you if your information is being used. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But LifeLock can help you see more than if you're just monitoring your credit. Go to LifeLock.com or call 1-800-LIFELOCK. Use promo code Forbes. That's Forbes for 10% off your LifeLock membership. Visit LifeLock.com and save 10% now. It's time to break the cycle of waste and mess. Time to stop accepting that the way things have been done are the way they should be done. Control-Alt-Delete everything you thought you knew about how to period. We're flipping the script. We're throwing out the book. We're challenging the period status quo. The Diva Cup is eco-friendly, reusable, and offers up to 12 hours leak-free protection. So what are you waiting for? Join the inner revolution with the Diva Cup. The Diva Cup is used for menstrual flow only. Always read and follow the user guide. Now playing on Target USA. The National Security Podcast. The most pressing national security concern is international terrorism on our soil. An exclusive interview with Rod Rosenstein, Deputy Attorney General at the U.S. Justice Department. We have 115,000 employees and tens of thousands of contractors. A key topic? The investigation into Russian meddling in the 2016 election. If anybody interferes with our elections, no matter who it may be, I think it's appropriate for us to take action. And elections are just the beginning. Cyber threats aren't just about elections. Cyber threats are about commercial activities, electric grids, and computer networks. He digs into the opioid epidemic. Fentanyl is responsible for a surge in drug overdose deaths in the United States. The full interview, available right now on Target USA. The National Security Podcast. You can find us exclusively at podcastone.com or on the new Podcast One app. And don't forget to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. This is Mentoring Moments with Denise Rostari. So let's go into the one session, our first session that we had together, because I came to see you. And it was really for for everything. I'm, I just don't focus it on one thing. But the big topic in my head was I have scoliosis. And can you describe scoliosis? I think you could describe it better than I can of what it is. Well, you know, one of the things about scoliosis is that very often it's an easy assessment. So if somebody is assessed with scoliosis young, they go through life going, okay, I have scoliosis. And depending on the severity of the curving and where the location of curving is in the spine and the hips and the rib cage, um, you know, they call, they do it by grades. Is it, you know, how much of a percentage of, of, of curve and where? And, and so part of what People, once you get that in your head, oh, I have scoliosis, then you sort of go through life starting there versus let's see if your body's capable of unwinding a scoliosis. See, many people today are developing um, attitudinal scoliosis because of the way they sit at a desk. You could have, you could be sitting with your hips straight and you're, and, and you're working with your head and your rib cage over to the other side. You could be doing that for five years. So your, your spine will start to form like that. As I'm looking at myself right now, I have my legs crossed. I'm, <laughs> no, leaning, you're over, pretty I'm leaning over to the other side. I'm hunched up. I'm like, okay, I'm doing everything so wrong. Part of, part of the idea of a scoliosis is we can all get into particular curved patterns in the body. We just can't let them lock in. And so when you start 
when the hormones begin to start changing, it's very important that the aging of the body does not lock a scoliosis in. So the idea of keeping the spine unwound, keeping the pattern unwound is a possibility, just that nobody tells most people. And so it's very important if someone has a clinical uh, diagnosis and it's quite severe, they need to work every single day of their life to, to prevent it from locking much more in and calcifying when they get to be, say, 58 and over. And I wasn't diagnosed until I was in my 50s. And it has, I've been working really hard with the kinesiologist with, with, and, and different modalities to revert, and it's reverse some when we look at the x-rays. So I come to you, and that was like the main thing. It was like, I want my back to feel better. I want to feel better. I'm trying to breathe more, treat, breathe better. And as we're doing the session, you say to me that one of the issues, and whatever you want to call it, one of the problems I'm having is with my cranium. So can you talk about that? Because I think I, I, my, I, my husband keeps saying, please don't let your brain explode because I tried to explain it to him. And he's like, oh my God, I think your brain's going to explode. <laughs> so the unwinding of a, of a scoliotic pattern, any sort of curves along the spine, anywhere from the coccyx up to the skull, it needs space to be able to unwind itself. So if you look at the head as a corkscrew and you just keep twisting it tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter, and then from the pelvis, from the, the hips, say, you just keep impacting up, up, the poor spine has nowhere to go. And so the first thing to do is unwind it as much as you can. And the place that you can unwind it the most from is the skull, if the skull can. Very often people are working 150% overtime in their heads. So when you're overworking in your head, you will tighten your skull, which means you will tighten, your, tighten its relationship to the spine. So when someone is overworking in their head, you have to take the pressure out of the head, take the pressure out of the sutures where all the bones, different bones meet, so that the head actually breathes and gets oxygen into it and can keep its um, lengthening up so that there's no compression. And that's why when you were working with me, and you, it's, it's not funny, but it is, this, is, this is a funny way of remembering it, and you were... And you had said to me, you, you were like touching my head. And you said, there's a lot going on in there. I was like, you're telling me. It's like, my head never, I never, I swear I never rest. It's like constantly going. And, um, and, I, and I think that it's, I want to get into some other things that you see with young women. We were talking about as we get older, our hips change after we have children. That when we don't need our hips, and so as we get older, we fall sometimes more often, right? So we talk because I think all of these things for me are so fascinating. And when I'm having dinner with friends, I share these stories that I've learned from you, and and be able to say, you know, this is what I've learned. So if this can help you, and that's what I want this to be. Like, how do I take what I've learned, and how lucky I am that you're in my life, and help others to be able to get some of the learnings that I have? So our hips. So. One of the things that happens, first of all, the hips, you've got two feet, two knees, two, mm -hmm. two legs, 
that attach to your pelvis. Okay, so you're basically it's where your femurs, your thigh bones, attach to your pelvis. So depending on how you walk, we are never equal weight distribution from one side to the other as we walk. We're always dominant one side. So the side that you're more dominant on, the one that you trust more, the one you will push off with when you go to do something with force with your legs, that over time starts getting shorter, right? So when you think about where we lose height, Okay, when it's classically, oh, I've lost an inch. I heard someone, a woman recently say, I lost three inches in one year. It's pretty extreme. That's scary. <laughs> that's, that's pretty extreme. But the point is, is that we lose weight from the continuous impacting and the pull of gravity down. So when you have imbalances in the way you use each side, that's going to show up in the hips. Okay, then you've got your upper body coming down, collapsing down into your hips. So your hips take a lot of wear and tear. Then you add whatever exercise you're doing. And so what I always explain to people first is don't try and get them even. Try to get them in harmony together because they're never going to be the same. So if one keeps getting tighter, shorter, tighter, shorter, the other one is sort of there in space and it becomes the weaker one because the other one keeps working ex- Overtime. Does that make sense? Yes. So people, but then what happens as you get older with your hips is that tight one can't do it anymore. It's done it all these years. It's held you up. It's supported you. And finally it starts breaking down because of all the impact and hormonal changes where the fastest parts of your body that you start to see every day changing in front of your eyes is your bone and soft tissue. So all of a sudden, you're having pain that you never had before, and you don't understand it. And it's because the bone is it's going through its aging process. When the bone goes into that stage, that it pulls the tendons and muscles towards it. So a woman can wake up in the morning and feel completely tight and not know what happened. Why is this happening to me? It's, it's because uh, it's age-related. So that's what I also say is you have to treat your body differently at every decade. So when you're going through that perimenopause, menopause, and beyond, you, have, you can't be doing what you did when you were 20 and 30, or you will wind up with a hip replacement. And so it's living and moving as freely as you can, recognizing that your pelvis is contracting in, your legs are contracting in. And so... You, all you have to do is walk down the street and observe some women over 50 and you'll start to see that their legs become narrower than the width of their hips. That's not stable. And so then you multiply that and give a woman 80 years old, get, give her, get her to 80, and the knees and the feet and the legs keep narrowing in and she doesn't have stability in her feet. She falls, what's going to happen? So what can we do? So we have a lot of millennials listening to the show and we have moms of millennials listening to the show. So what can we do as millennials now to help, to help everyone so that as they do get older, they're as healthy as they can be other than come to see you, but (laughs) because here's the thing, the millennials actually will listen because they really want to research stuff. They want to see if something makes sense and 
and then they'll they'll add it in and if it feels right and it makes sense they will because they actually do want to prevent things right i agree that's what i'm saying that's why i wanted to do the show to be able to say how do we help everyone get the insights because I think we get a lot of information off the internet, which is great. And that's how we can also access you and your videos and, um, and your information. It's actually millennial girl, millennial women that actually get attracted to this work. They look at me as this older, wiser woman. I want to, I want to, I want to do what she's doing. Mm -hmm. I want to be like her when I grow up. And like I said, a lot of them are in pain. So if they're looking at somebody you know, in my, in, in, in their sixties and, and, and I'm still doing it well, then they want to, um, they want to know what that is. Okay. And so working with women already in their late fifties to sixties and beyond, they're already in pain. They're already suffering. And so yes, we can help them, but why not prevent and let someone ease through the decades of their life gracefully without pain and with full movement. And so what can they do now in their twenties and thirties? Okay. So this is what I, what I do. I say to people, make your body sustainability checklist. You decide you want to be a runner. You've got some places in the world that you have as a goal to run the marathon at. What's the down, what's the downside of running in your body? Where do you, where you're already starting to feel a little bit of stiffness. Okay, so what can you fill in and do to prevent any more impact into that joint? Okay, so then you can go explore what would make sense to do. So if I'm feeling tightness in one knee, so maybe it means really working on stretching the, the, the hamstrings, the quadriceps, the adductors, the muscles that go from your pelvis that attach to the knee. Look at your feet. Are you collapsing your feet? Are your ankles collapsing inward? Okay, most likely that your knee thing you're feeling might be because you're not using your foot properly. So research where you can get foot education that you can integrate in so that you won't break down from your choice. So any part of your body. So I call it the body sustainability checklist. Don't be stupid. Right. Now, look at it, and if you feel perfect right now, look at people around you. Ask other people that are doing what you do. And, and then do things to prevent hip problems, back problems, inner thigh problems. I mean, that's more associated with running. But whatever your choices are, if you want to spin, what are the common injuries that you see? I always thought it was, it was knees. Then I, I, I presented my work at one of their conferences and found that it was the shoulders and the wrists and the hips. So the knees just are free flowing. So I learned something. So then protect your hips, get the impact out of your shoulders, your wrists. So these are just things of don't just pick a sport and do it. Look at what's the possible downside. Everything has a downside and look at how to prevent it. Which I think is great. I, I, you know, I do Pilates and I'm probably one of the older people at Pilates. And I have to say, I'm in better shape than some of the 20 or 30 year olds who I'm doing Pilates with. Absolutely. And they say that I'm not just saying that there'll be like, you can go, you can go longer than we can. And one of the things while I'm in Pilates is I don't try to lift the heavy. I don't put the heaviest springs on the reformer. I don't put the lightest. I, I give it my, whatever my body feels that day is what I do. So I want the challenge 
but I don't, I'm not going to push. I'm because I'm not going to hurt my neck. I'm not going to do that. Right. And, but I can then sustain longer and do more. And when I get tired of doing something, I just go into child's pose. And it's not about, I don't care what anyone thinks. It doesn't matter. It's like, this is what I want to do today. And, and yeah, so I feel very fortunate, but it's also because I've had people like you in my life for many, many years. I've been so into um, kinesiology and not doing high impact sports. And for me, that has, that has worked. So I want to get into what we're done with. And, but first I have, do have a question because I just thought about this. So you, there's like, when you were saying about young women wanting to be like you, I want to be like you and we're not, we're about the same age. I want to be just like you, but what educate, how, how do you become, what, how did you learn everything you know? You know, I started doing yoga when I was 14. Okay. So that was, you know, already weird. And then when I was in, in university, my fan, my, my thing was to radically change the world of education, help the people that can't learn in mainstream classical mainstream education. How do you get them excited? That was my, you know, I wanted to get a PhD and be really serious about it, about improving the world. And, but then I was also into the body. So I was taking pre-med courses and I'd take anatomy and I had the third yoga center in New York city way back seventies. We're talking about, and then I was married, got pregnant with my daughter and decided I wanted to go to medical school. My parents said, Oh no, you're married now. You're going to have a child. We only pay for university studies when you're not married. So that's a rule. (laughs) (laughs) I might use that. (laughs) So, but the, but the thing about it was what I realized that what is so perfect about what I do and how I help people is that I am not a medical doctor. I'm logical. I am a problem solver. I know my anatomy well enough to know that's what I work with, the l- incredible logic and order in the body. I'm talking about more the, stru- the structural, um, how the body moves. And, and so that I don't have the structured belief systems that trained physicians and people trained in universities to work with bodies have. So I've always been able to just use the logic and, and, and apply it to each person that I see. You know, what it, you can have sciatica and 10 other people can have sciatica and each of it's, each of you have it for a wrong, for a totally different reason. And so to recommend the same thing for everybody would set you up for failing to get better. And so you have to list, everybody has their own unique story. You have to listen to it. You have to put their pieces together for them. How did their body get to this point? That it is right now and then help them logically systematically in a way that's proactive that they can do for themselves to fix fix themselves so that's pretty much the way i see it so for all, all those women and men who are saying and i say this in all seriousness my pilates instructors a lot of them used to be dance ex-dancers one was a rock cat then she was in a car accident 
and she could barely walk. And she part of her recovery was through Pilates. And then she's really she's a fabulous Pilates instructor. I mean, just really understands the body. She teaches at NYU now, and she's been doing it for like 25 years. And so it's like your story about about your collarbone and working um, and waking up and it's like this is not working. That's what happened to her in a different way. She was in a car accident and suddenly her life as a rockette was over. And then she fell in love with Pilates. And a lot of my instructors are ex-dancers who have dance injuries who found their recovery through Pilates. And I think it's great that, as you said, number one is sometimes, as my mom used to say, and I used to roll my eyes, but there is some meaning to this. When one door closes, another door does open. If you're willing to go and let the door open or open it, that you have to be willing to see it and open it versus getting stuck in woe is me and how could this have happened to me? I can't, you you can say being a rocket when you're in your twenties and you're flying high, literally, and you're flying high and then suddenly you can't, you can't even walk has got to just be really depressing. And to come out the other side is just great to watch um, Stephanie, who is my instructor. So now we're going to get into, I'm done with that. The things in life that we are done with. So I'm done with having way too much stuff going on in my head because as my husband says, he does not want my brain to explode. We don't want that to happen. It's just not a good visual. But there's a card that I'm looking at. And I had a different I'm done with, but there's a card that's on our table that I'm looking at. And my friend Sherry Paul, who's been on the show, gave it to me. And it says, wherever you go, go with all your heart. And it's Confucius. And as I'm looking at that, I thought, you know, that's one of the things I'm done with. I'm done with not going with all my heart, which goes to I'm done with everything being in my head. And which I talked about this a lot on the show, but I think it's worth repeating because it's so important that we're just not giving, at least I'm not, I'm not giving myself enough time to go in with all my heart because my head is way too busy. <laughs> and she's laughing at me because she's like, are you like agreeing with me? Like, <laughs> she's like thinking, you have no idea. <laughs> you have no idea. Um, but and I, and I think that, and it goes back to what I've talked a lot about too, just not being present. And, and I keep saying, you know, I want to go find my inner hippie, that there's a creative soul that lives inside of me, but I'm just not present enough to allow it to come out, that I am way too busy in my head. So I'm taking the quote that's from the card and I'm done with not going in with all my heart and I'm going to go in with all my heart. You know, I used to think, that, oh, women, we're so, we're, we can multitask. We're capable of doing so many things at once and doing them all successfully. We're not. We're not. <laughs> Nobody is. Never. But then I realized, you know, I, it, it, only in the last year or two, I realized that was all wrong and that you really have to stay with that one thing. This is what I want to do. Keep asking, is this what you want to do? Okay, so can you do it a little bit every day? And because suddenly you'll find yourself all the way into it. I was just talking to a young woman the other night who has a very high profile job and is going to, she has a, she has a young child and is going to be, her husband has just got this great job offer in middle America. And she's a bi-coastal person, right? And it's a great job offer for him. And she 
wants to spend more time with her child. And so she's made the decision that she'll work part-time or do something on consult. But this is her decision. She's not being forced into it because she said, for the first time in my life, I want to look for a granite top or a marble top for my kitchen counter. And she's, and I was like, and I think that's wonderful because that's what you want to do. There are some people don't want to do that. Right. And that's, they shouldn't do that. But and she's in her forties now. Um, to be able to come to that realization to say that I don't have to give it all up. I can still do, I can still get my adrenaline rush from this, but I want to look for a granite or marble countertop. I've never done that. And basically what she was saying was I want to spend more time with my son. And that was the bigger picture, but just the visual for her. As I just keep saying, you know, I want to go find my purple sofa. There's that whole, that hippie that lives inside me. It's like, where is my purple sofa? I want a purple sofa. Um, and whether literally or figuratively, it's that image of I want a purple sofa. So I think that when we start looking at ourselves and saying what's really important to me for now, right? It doesn't have to be forever. She doesn't have to be looking for a granite marble top forever. But for right now, that's something she wants to experience. And I applaud her. Absolutely. For experience, for you saying know, I'm going to do it. People think I'm a weirdo because I'm, they go, how many, how many months were you gone this year? And I go, three and a half. Really? And where were you? How can you? How can you do that? I go, so easy. <laughs> because you're in a beautiful place, and, too. <laughs> and, well, because I realized at a certain point in my life, I do not want to get on that frantic uh, push of New York City. And when I came back here and I went to an event... And I looked at women I hadn't seen in six months, and I saw how they were beaten down, matronly looking, you know, all in that same 60s age range. And I went, and they were looking at me going, you look really great, Yamina. And I was smiling and going, well, because I feel great. I've just been swimming all summer. (laughs) And then they look at you like, that's really weird. Yeah, because what's the at some point in your life you have to get off the push. Why do you feel you need to do this? Why do you feel you need to do that? Why and it's that I think very often in that going back to the young women, when you're at that when you're younger, you feel that you have to prove yourself. You feel you've got you want to do this, 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 you want to be recognized, you want to be you wanna be number one, you wanna get famous, you wanna and then you get to a certain point in your life, you've been there, done it. Mm-hmm. And you can let it go. But do you have to go through that, though, do you think, to be where we're at? I mean, I, I don't know. I look back in my younger life and, oh, my God, the things that used to upset me and bother me. I look back now and think it's hilarious, exactly. right? But would I, could I even do that when I was 30? Did I have the, the mental, the experiences to be able to put it in perspective to say, okay, that was really like lunatic material that I was really that upset about that? You know what the thing is, is that we don't, I think it is that we don't have the tools. Once you've gone through a certain number of years of life, you go, okay, you know what? We already know we could survive anything. So anything that's happening now is nearly, is not as, not nearly as rough as it was when we, we went through that back then, but it also makes us better mentors. So when you see somebody young, really struggling with something, and you realize how stressed they are about it and how worried they are about it, how they're eating themselves alive about whatever it may be. And, and for us, it might be hardly anything in our minds. 
we have to really get back to we probably would have reacted the same way when we were that age. But then how do you take what we know to help that person get through it faster? Right. I agree. And I think it's like first loves, you know, when you have that first breakup and you're just like, it's the end of the world. And now you look back on it and you're like, really? But, but you don't, you, you can't get to where we're at and feel that way. Have you not gone through all of those things? So I agree with you. I think it's our role and it's our job as all women who are the experience to shed that light, to help younger women get through it. It's not saying you're not going to, that you're going to get off and we're all going to go look for granite countertops. But when you're in that frantic mode of my life could be destroyed if this happens, help them understand that it all will be okay. If you have the basics, the rest of the stuff that's running around you is just stuff. It's really not that important. And I, and I, and I could go on with lists of the things that I used to think were so important, but now I think how crazy was I, right? So what are you done with? The push. I don't need to be the richest girl or the most successful girl or the most acknowledged girl on the block. I used to feel that I had goals, that I had to be at a certain point at a certain time in my life. I'm okay with just where I am. I'm okay with the world that I'm creating. I'm quite at peace with it. Yes, do I have some projects that I'd like to put in front of people that I think are really fabulous? Great. If I get if I get in front of the right people to get it, if not, I have a really good life. I'm not going to beat myself up because I didn't get the, my two patents to the right company. You know, when I was 30, I would have been, you're you're no good. You don't know how to get there. Now it's you know what? Look at your life. Look what you've created. Look at how you get to live. It's okay if you didn't get everything accomplished. You're getting other stuff accomplished. So what would you then now tell your 30 something self? So put your, when you're 30 and you were so upset with all of those things, I'm looking at it and saying, you know, how do we help young women in their twenties and thirties now? Because these are realities, these things that the goals, you're trying to be a senior partner of a law firm, whatever it is you're trying to do. Right. And I understand that we want more women who are leading the world. So we don't want to say, let's all just jump off and not do anything. So how do we keep it so that we can help? How do we help younger women keep it in perspective so they can get to wherever they want to go without impacting their health and their well-being? What I always find is if you want something and you get rejected, don't beat yourself up. Put it over there on the back burner. Look at the next thing you want to do, the next thing you want to create. And focus on that because that's going to, boost your energy and make you feel excited and good about yourself. Suddenly you're working over there and all of a sudden it's the right moment to go back to that thing that you got rejected. And I found in my life, every time I get rejected, and there were a lot of rejections because I'm a weirdo. Okay. <laughs> I look at the body. Honestly, I am not trying to be a medical person. I'm trying to give you s- solutions to be successful yourself. So that's a weird place to talk. And I talk about direct bone stimulation and I talk about aligning bones, tendons, muscles, all stuff that makes sense today. But 35 years ago, people thought I was, you know, nothing. So all of a sudden the things come back. So if you're an originator of, 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 of work, of thought processes, of, of, 
and, and you're rejected time and time again, stay with your dream, stay with your mission, stay with what you believe and put it over there. Create it another way. Create it another way. All of a sudden people go, oh my God, this makes sense. Don't beat yourself up. And don't try to fit a square peg in a round hole. That's a lot of times, right? But as you said, wait until right. it's a better fit. Because I've been there where you're just pressing against the wind. Yeah. And it's, it's hard. You're ahead of your time on something and you want other people to realize how genius you are. Now, I know for Steve Jobs that worked. <laughs> so there are the exceptions to the rule here. But for a lot of us, it doesn't work because we aren't Steve Jobs. We don't have the position, the power, whatever, right? So it's being, and I think that's great advice, Jamina, to be able to say, it's not, you're not giving it up. Just put it aside, work on something else that you can be productive on, and let's see when it re-enters your life. And I look at that too, um, in your personal life, you know, in your re, if you're in a relationship, if you're trying to have children, all of those things, um, to be able to not beat ourselves up, which I think we as women are just so great at doing. So I want to tell everyone where we can find you because I'm so fortunate that you're sitting across the table from me and that we're doing, I'm doing a session with you after you have your balls here. Um, but so where can other people find you that they can access you? Best is probably my website, uh, Yamana, Y-A-M-U-N-A-U-S-A.com. Also, I have a Facebook page that I put up goodies every day or every few days, which is under Yamana Body, one word. And I also started a, a, a blog. Which I love. The things women don't talk about with each other and should. And so... I travel a lot, but I put stuff up a lot. And in, I think, the first week of December, we're going to do a evening event for women starting the dialogue. So it will be the things we don't talk about and should, but also something proactive for the body. And then we'll have different guests and coming on and talking. And what's one of your top things that women don't talk about but should? Incontinence, um, pelvic pain, pelvic problems, women that have had kids don't give any wisdom to the ones that are about to get pregnant or are pregnant. So women go into it pretty much blind so that when things do come up, they feel pretty isolated and alone. Is there anything we haven't talked about that you want to talk about that we missed? Yeah, I just continuously hear women complaining about things and, you know, and alone. Recently I was somewhere and a woman just said, Oh, I, I just decided to stop having sex with my boyfriend this weekend. And I thought to myself, she says, it's just too painful. It's not worth it. And I thought, Oh my God, who talks like that? Because she doesn't know that there's something that she can do or lots of different things that she can try. Right. So that's her decision. How good is that for a relationship? Women need to sit down and have these open conversations. I agree. Men do too. I right. mean, when I talk about this stuff to men, they go, well, what about me? Right. No. So I want to leave everyone with that message is that, you know, to talk to your friends, talk to other people 
And you're going to find out that you're not alone. And hopefully with that network, you'll find solutions that will work for you, that you'll get the input and find resources that will help you. So, you know, I'm going to thank you. Thank you so much. I, thank you. It was fun. It was in. like having dinner. <laughs> it was at the kitchen table. I think it goes without saying that I do love Yamada's advice and story about how to keep my brain from exploding. And I am taking her advice. And I also love the story about how she became the master teacher that she is, that it wasn't a straight path for her. And she was before her time. As she said, she is a weirdo, that she does things differently. But that didn't stop her, right? She didn't let others define her. She didn't take that rejection and say, ooh, my idea's bad. They have a better idea. She took rejection and said, maybe the world's not ready for me or that idea yet. So I'm going to put it aside. I'll come back to it. I'll create something else in the meantime. And that's where she has found a lot of her power and her success that she's not doing what is acceptable to others. She's doing what she really believes in. And sometimes the timing is off and we have to get into that zone of getting the timing right. And speaking of a nonlinear path, make sure to tune in next week to a very special episode of Mentoring Moments. I have some exciting news to share about my own path. And joining me will be my dear friend, Libby Moore. And together we'll have a show that's unlike any other. So thanks for joining us today. And to get Mentoring Moments the moment it's live every Wednesday, remember to download new episodes on the Podcast One app or subscribe at Apple Podcasts or PodcastOne.com. And make sure to rate, review, and share. And check out my show notes on Forbes.com and talk to me. I'm easy to find always on Twitter at Denise Rastari. And until next week, keep sharing your stories because your stories matter. Download new episodes of Mentoring Moments every Wednesday at podcastone.com, Forbes.com, the Podcast One app, or you can subscribe at iTunes. I'm Christina Wallace. And I'm Kate Scott Campbell. And we're the hosts of The Limit Does Not Exist, a podcast for human Venn diagrams. That's right. We talk to people with intersecting interests in the arts, STEM, entrepreneurship, and so much more. The easiest way to explain science to non-scientists is to use art. I worry that we lose a lot of creative engineers because our engineering curriculum is not creative. Education should be about empowering people to become better thinkers, good problem solvers, creative inventors, and ethical caring citizens. Download new episodes of The Limit Does Not Exist every Monday on the Podcast One app, or you can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or PodcastOne.com. It's time to break the cycle of waste and mess. Time to stop accepting that the way things have been done are the way they should be done. Control-Alt-Delete everything you thought you knew about how to period. We're flipping the script, we're throwing out the book, we're challenging the period status quo. The Diva Cup is eco-friendly, reusable, and offers up to 12 hours leak-free protection. So what are you waiting for? Join the inner revolution with the Diva Cup. The Diva Cup is used for menstrual flow only. Always read and follow the user guide. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. London police have arrested Julian Assange on extradition charges to the United States, as well as for violating his bail. Assange is accused of publishing classified documents through WikiLeaks. 
In 2010, he told Sky News he was worried about what the U.S. might do to him. The United States recently has shown that its institutions seem to be failing. Uh, They are failing to follow the rule of law. And with dealing with a superpower that does not appear to be following, following the rule of law is a serious business. He also said in 2010 the U.S. officials had threatened him and those associated with him. There has been many calls by senior political figures uh, in the United States, uh, including elected ones in the Senate, uh, for my execution, uh, the kidnapping of my staff. Edward Snowden, the former security contractor who leaked classified information about U.S. surveillance programs, says the arrest of Assange is a blow to media freedom. I'm Rita Foley.